0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each 2-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.
2: Welcome back to our live call-in show here on the Spotify Live at Pride of Detroit. Here, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the producer over at Pride of Detroit. We are back on Spotify Live every Saturday morning at nine a.m. Eastern to answer your questions live here. Call-in show, not like a mailbag. This is a call-in show. Um, before we get to your calls, I have to introduce my two co-hosts for these Spotify Live uh, streams. Let's start first. With the managing editor of Pride in Detroit, you can find him at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Slit is here. How we doing, buddy?
3: Good morning. I, uh, I'm excited to uh, be back on this conversational app with you guys.
2: Yeah, you you took the tone down too here. Like
3: you're, this isn't this isn't a smooth
2: jazz radio show here.
3: <laughs> no, that's just that's just my normal voice. I'm always like this. Oh Okay, yeah,
2: sure. Uh, <laughs> let's bring in our other co-host here. He is the senior editor at Pride of Detroit. You can find him at Ryan underscore Pod on Twitter. Ryan Matthews is here. Good morning, Ryan.
4: Good morning. Uh, that intro, Jeremy, was like we never left.
2: Right, I felt like impeccable. I picked up right where I left off, except yeah. without all the errors. And, and and you should know by
4: now, right? Like Eric is the Lionel Richie of the show. Remember,
2: is that, is that what we decided?
4: I, I, I that, that's what that's what other people decided yeah, that literally. he was a machine and that he was Lionel Richie.
2: Oh, Lionel the Machine Richie, got it. <laughs> Eric Schlitt. <laughs> Eric Lionel the Machine Slit Richie Richie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, we're gonna talk enough, football. Yeah, I think so. Uh, enough buffoonery here. Let's uh, let's get to our callers. If you want to join us, download the Spotify Live app. Join uh, Make sure you're following at Pride of Detroit on the app, and, and then fire up the app around nine a.m. Eastern every Saturday from here, really till question mark question mark question mark. We'll we'll try to do these as as often in the off season as possible. Um, we have our first caller, and uh, those of you who have listened to us. For a long time on these Spotify apps, may recognize this name and this voice. Dan Task is our first caller on our return show to Spotify Live.
5: How's it going, Dan? It's going well. Can you can you hear me all right? I've got my earbuds in too. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Okay. Well, I wrote down. I think I've got six sides of, of questions, but I'm gonna I'm not gonna <laughs> do some sort of you know <laughs> filibuster or whatever. But um, I just wanna maybe just talk first round and you know uh this year it seems like devon witherspoons are aiden hutchinson like and, and i would be absolutely fine with that I, I i was a malik willis truther i'm gonna uh well we'll talk about the first round obviously but um aiden's been great and i'm very grateful for him so um with that in mind though if anybody else you know it wants to mix it up or anything else i just i feel like in the first round it would be really and it, i know it's been mentioned a lot and i loved your uh, draft uh, roundup this morning eric um I want to talk about B. Jan Robinson. And, and, and I, I, I blame Eric as well for this too, because he shared that that Twitter thread with all of those lovely videos on it. And, and I I really got Barry, I'm sorry to use the word, I know I should cross myself and everything else, but I got Barry reminiscence with some of the moves he would make and stuff like that. And I just, I've been thinking about like, I, I am rambling, and I'm not going to stop and you can't make me. So I, I did what I had to do. But no, when we think <laughs> about momentum, and and everything from going from first year to the second year, I know it's like God, get him to stop. But like it's this, um, <laughs> like how do we help? I mean, we got lucky that Jared Goff didn't get injured. So obviously, backup quarterback back is important. We might go for you know for for Tony Rich. I don't want to call him that gun name, but I'm going to call him Tony Rich. You know, but the um, but we also might just you know get one on the third day, but. I'm just trying to think that like Aaron Glenn and, and the, the plan was there. I mean, they knew one of the guys was injured on defense. and Obviously, Pascal got injured. My cousin, my name cousin, got injured as well. But, like, there's just – I want them not to fall down. Do you know what I mean? Like, the, the buys for us have been dangerous and bad stuff, but often, you know, great stuff afterwards. And we've – you know, looking at our defense, the first half is really different to the second half, and we have to acknowledge that. So how do we help Aaron Glenn by not falling down? How do we make sure that – uh, Jared stays good. And so B.J. Robinson, <laughs> get back to him. I, I would take first round, and I don't know if it's Bijan's going to need a little bit of help in case 18 eighteen's not enough. But if we came out the first round with Devin Witherspoon, with and I'm breathing now, um, and B.J. Robinson, I would be really, really happy because he – if if Jared did go down, then obviously the backup quarterback would have a fantastic running back to help sort of offset that. And, and I'm, you know, you think about the Giants and you think about Danny Dimes. I'm like, how good would he have been without Saquon Barkley last year? I'm just asking the question. Do you know what I mean? So I'm going to stop. Please don't cut me off anymore. <laughs> well, you hit all of
2: my trigger words by talking about first round running backs, momentum and backup quarterback talk. Um, so I, 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 yeah, thank you for that. Um, but yeah, let's, let's talk a little Bijan. I know we're going to, we're going to talk some Bijan on the, on the POD cast on Monday, but um, so I'll let Eric have the first word here. I know, I know you've been a little torn here, about the idea of, of bringing up Bijan Robinson in the first round as as maybe it's that 18th pick. So as of, you know, February 25th at 9am, where do you stand on that debate?
3: Yeah, I think if they went to player, at all, Bijan is the guy who makes the most sense, and you can argue positional value, which we seem to do almost every week now. Um, but the bottom line is, is, if he ends up on this roster with this offense, he takes it up a level. And, and if you have an opportunity to get a player that can take your offense to a new level, then that's a, that's worth taking. And I know that you're gonna probably come back and talk about like how it's not you know the longevity of a running back and whatnot. But here's the thing. He can take your offense to a new level. He can help the stability of your offense. Like Dan said, he makes uh, it easier on the quarterback, which means you increase the chances of Jared Goff having a successful year uh, in, in 2023. And so there's a lot of benefits of, of, of taking a player like Bijan early. Um, yeah, you might be able to hit on a running back later in the draft, uh, but if he's, he, he, he's not going to be as dynamic as Bijan. And so – it's just a different level of, of player that you're adding. And so I do think there's value to taking him at 18. Um, I would be okay with them taking him at 18. Uh, might not be necessarily my preferred choice, but if day one's over and like Dan said, you end up with uh, like Devin Witherspoon and then Bijan, I think Lions would be pretty happy because they will have improved both sides of the
2: uh Ryan, before I scream and yell, I'm going to let you uh, get a, get a word in here.
4: Yeah, I'll try to get on my other boss's good side. <clears throat> um I, I think I think with the Bijan conversation, it it kind of all starts and ends with what do the Lions do before that at running back? I, I understand that they need to prepare for the future, but I think if you go into 2023 and you have Jamal Williams re signed, um, you know, in the middle of March when when free agency starts and you have DeAndre Swift. I understand the Lions need to prepare for the future, but spending a first round pick, especially 18 on a running back and Bijan is an incredibly talented player. It seems like it's a little bit of overkill. Uh, and, And it seems like how, how are these guys all going to get touches in, you know, in Bijan's rookie season? Because if you take him, you know, at 18, he's getting paid extremely well, especially among NFL running backs, period, not just, not just, you know, certain guys, but like he's going to be one of the most highly paid running backs in the NFL. If he gets taken at 18. And I think that
3: just, just to interrupt just for clarity uh, pick 18 is estimated to cost $2.8 million.
4: Okay. Well, yes. So I mean, like, I, I don't know. I I just think it's too much. I think it's too much. I, that's my point. I I, th- I think I think I got my wires crossed with. If he got taken at six, then he would be one of the top ten paid running backs before he ever played an NFL snap. But if he if he gets taken at eighteen, it's more palatable. But at the same time, you have a you you, you have you have too much. I think I think you have too much. And, and there are so many running backs. And correct me if I'm wrong, Eric. But like there are so many guys that are available that are being you know projected as like top three rounds like there's a there's an overflow of running backs that are going to be available you know on day two even day three
3: yeah i think you can make an argument that there's um seven or eight maybe seven i'd say running backs that could probably go in the top 100 uh, a couple more guys that are probably borderline and then you're gonna have that same amount if not a little bit more probably available uh on day three um if i were
5: Could I, could I cut you off, Jeremy, before you start ranting? I'm so, so sorry. Yeah. yeah. I wanted, I wanted to, I, 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 I got to squeeze one more in there, you know, but like we have five, we have five above the fold picks, you know, and then three on day three. And, you know, I feel like we have to get a quarterback. You know, probably in day three, but you know, I could I could see it happening in the top in the top five, and I feel the same about a running back that you could get it in day three, or in that same kind of you know killer position. And and I just wanted to, but I just wanted to, sorry, do a quick contract segue. And I thank you, uh, thank you for coming in with that number, Eric, because there's this, it feels like there's a little bit of a fallacy with this whole. You know, lost, I mean, we, we, it's almost like JMO, we, we lost a year for JMO or three quarters of a year whatever you say, and I, I'm really excited to see him. I don't have a problem with that. I just wanted to say that, you know, like if we almost like pay it forward with Bijan or, you know, running back of choice that we think could maybe, you know, give us that spurt, like a Jameer Gibbs, I guess, another version or whatever, maybe a swift upgrade, you know, and just say, listen, they're going to get injured, right? Because, but the fifth year option, it feels a bit of a fallacy, fallacy to me now because like it's so expensive, like with Jeff, probably not going to get picked up because of that, because he was picked at three and everything else, that does it really matter anymore because you know you get forced into this position and you have to let them go. Sorry about that. <laughs> All good. No, and I, I I do
2: want to kind of start with the finances of drafting a running back because <clears throat> yeah, I mean the eighteenth overall pick is not going to cost a lot. The whole kind of point in drafting guys and, and filling your your roster with the young guys on rookie contracts is that you're saving a lot of money. And to be quite honest, you're just not at the running back before it's the least paid position in football outside of special teams. So if you're spending a first round pick, that is the least economical way you can spend that first round pick other than spending it on a kicker or a punter. Um, those, that would be the, the, the worst economical way. And yeah, like, like Dan said, you could go for a fifth year option. So if you're worried about paying this guy in a second contract, because you look across the league, a second contract for a running back has never been a good idea in, in the past 15 years. Um, but I've seen people say, well, you got a fifth-year option if you draft them in the first round. You can use a franchise tag and, and extend that to six years. But then that fifth-year option is fully guaranteed, and it's going to be expensive, as is the franchise tag. So I think you're still really only looking at four years at not that much of a discount at the running back position. Then you want to get into all the other stuff, whereas these guys get injured a ton. Running game doesn't matter as much in the NFL. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. I mean, you look at football outsiders numbers you look at you know the, the, the best running teams in the league are not the teams winning championships they just aren't jeremy
5: um, Jer- jeremy why do you think our running game tailed off near the end of the season and the reason i asked that and this is another thing i'm just cramming and i promise i'll stop after this but you know what i mean push me out with the, with the bouncer but like why did it go down because evan brown had had enough weeks to play and get that position under his under his belt that 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 should have been well i guess the minimized factor of that minimizing factor all season long you know what i mean but like so my other question to throw in at 18 yeah. is no, is good. is it unreasonable and we know that the the brad or or, the, or the, the team went to florida five times as many times as much as we want it to be about um tony rich maybe it's about uh, uh osiris torrance o- Os- osiris yeah yeah i
2: mean listen i I am very much more on board with drafting Osiris Torrance than I am a running back. And, and I do think that the position, you know, I I, I just don't think Evan Brown is, is a, is a guard. I don't think he played particularly well at that position and, and the lines just didn't get any good play. And I, I wouldn't say that's the only reason they, they stunk in the running game. Although I would like to point out that they went eight and two with a bad running game down the stretch. So maybe that gives you a hint of how much a, a running game truly matters. And the last point I want to make on that too, is there's the fallacy out there that says, you know, if you have a really good running back, a really good running game, your play action is better. There is no statistical evidence of that being true. Play action is effective no matter how effective your running game is. And so that shouldn't be a, a I don't know, an argument for, for drafting Bijan. But, Eric, um, I know you, you have a no, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to
3: say, but the threat of the running game is all is, is one of the things that does make a defense adjust. And that threat does open things up. and And when you have an offense... They already have that but, though. Do they? Because like like Dan pointed out, it tailed yeah, off at the end worked. of last year. The play action worked, but like if if right. Well, that's 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 my point though. The play No, action no, no, worked. but I'm not saying play action. I'm saying the th- the the threat of having a run game is going to force heavier boxes. And when you have when you have a you. Okay. Offense that has vertical threats on the outside that's going to stretch defenses, and then you have the threat of a run game, which counts, which causes defense to have to account for that run game. What does that do? That opens up the middle, and then you—that's where your Pro Bowler eats, sure. right? And and that's that's sure. that's the that's the concept that they have going into this scheme or into this next season. That was the main idea here: is we want to run first, stretch the outsides, open up the middles, and and let Amon Rossay win games for us, and that works. That's why they were top five. If the threat of the run game goes away, you're going to see lighter boxes, deeper shells, tougher clogged middles. You have to have that threat of a run game. So maybe it's not Bijan, okay? But they they have to account for the running game in some factor, right? So they're going to right. Sure. So no, here, here I'm not. I'm not willing to. I see, understand. I'm not, I'm not saying the, the run. I'm not saying running
2: backs not need. Right. I'm not saying that Bijan Robinson will be the clear best player at 18 the most like easy because because i mean like like you're pretty much taking the third or fourth best person at any other position or the top running back i'm willing to concede that they need a running back and that at 18 your most sure evaluation might be Bijan robinson but it's still not
5: can, can i can i ask that we free ryan is does ryan have a review coming up because <laughs> um, i remember ryan talking highly about todd Gurley. what have you got on him jeremy let him speak
2: Hey, well, your right. chains are off. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I here's
4: the thing. I, I I go back to the Philly game in, in week one of last season. And obviously the, the it was disproportional how many explosive plays they had as a as a team in those first few weeks from the running back group. But they still have DeAndre Swift and they s and, and and they might still have Jamal Williams. So I guess just my my thought process is Yes, Bijan would be an incredible talent, and and I agree with with everything schematically that Eric is saying, but I I, I still think that there isn't anything that is particularly ha- hampering DeAndre Swift like from year to year. Like there isn't like one injury that's just like, hey, this is his problem. It's his knee. It's his knee. It's his knee. Or, it's 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 this problem. It's this problem. Like yes, he has a problem with getting injured, but it isn't anything that's chronic, right? It's it's not Todd Gurley. It's not degenerative. It's it's nothing like that. So I, I think you kind of just want to bite the bullet this year and be like, hey, if, if we bring back Jamal Williams, we can draft a guy later, later in the draft um, on day two or maybe even day three, because you could still get a really talented player at that spot, but you're not going to siphon carries or touches away from... I mean, when DeAndre Swift is humming along, he's a really, really good player guys. Right. Like, but, 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 but I think that's the problem, right. Is that when he's humming along when he's not injured and and that's been a problem in his career so far, but this is also like the end of Deandre Swift, right? Like I, I I don't see us. I don't see us having a conversation next offseason talking about how the Lions should bring back Deandre Swift. So I understand, I I agree with you, Eric, that like you have to, maybe you have to start thinking down the road, but I just think 18, might be a little rich
3: i i think you've helped make my point in a couple of ways and and let me elaborate one you brought up the fact that he deandre swift is such an impactful player and that the only thing limiting him is these um, random freak injuries that seem to keep him out right nothing degenerative like you said but when he is impactful he's a difference maker the problem is is that history says he's only going to be impactful a couple of games a day uh, a year with Bijan you're getting Philly offense, the, the offense we saw against Philly, every single week. Then he doesn't get injured. That's kind of why I think. Because the uh, right. And if you don't, then football. that's why you have depth and you keep DeAndre Swift, right? Like, it, it, let's not, I mean, look, Swift is great, and he has an explosion, but he also lost confidence, he lost his direction, and he does not play through injuries. Like, let's just be, let's just be frank about it. He doesn't. Yeah. And, 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 when you, and, and, and it is his last year. And I don't think any of us are, I agree with Ryan again, and I don't think any of us are going to be back a year, year from now saying that we should resign them or we should see that, we, that the line should resign them. But at the same time, this is a player that gives you the offense we saw in week one on a consistent basis. There's no injury history. And there's a, there is a, there are years of, of production that we've seen in college that show that this is something that he can do. This is, this is a rare talent, that you have not seen in a decade like if it was just if, if this was just another the top running back in this class i'd be like no 18 is ridiculous but this is a rare cat man he really is and that's why i think it's going to be something
5: that's going to be
2: fair enough all right we got to get off the no, topic
5: dan i appreciate it you um, the earned every every dollar of that movember <laughs> money I, I don't think i'm gonna be doing it again so i've appreciated it and thank you guys very much <laughs> all right dan
2: have a good See one ya. buddy all right, we got, I think, we'll we'll try to fit another one here. We're going to go long in our first segment here. Uh, Nathan C., Nathan C., you are next. Nathan, thanks
6: for joining the show, buddy. How are you doing? Can you all hear me? Yep. Hey, it's always a pleasure with you all. Love the content, love the podcast. It's always great to talk Lions in the off season. Um Man, going after the great Dan, I had to redirect a lot of my questions. You know, but that's Dan, <laughs> Dan for you. Dan's, Dan's a man. Um that's right. Okay, so two questions. Uh, First question is, um, you know, Goff played really well this year. I was really impressed. I thought he did a really good job of not turning over the ball in the second half of the season. He looked more poised. He stepped up in the pocket. He threw good balls. Um, Are we extending him after this year Um, is is one of my questions and what kind of contract maybe would it look like? Uh, to you know keep the team you know as as flexible as possible to sign on better players down the line because you don't want to sign a lot of money to a quarterback and then you're kind of a handicap of your um your your uh, your team. And then the second question I have is, you know, we talk about cornerbacks, we talk about edge rushers, but I think linebacker is a huge need on this team. Like we could definitely upgrade outside of Rodrigo. Um, and I could argue that You know the cornerback and the linebacker are probably the weakest, but I want y'all's opinion. Which you think is the worst, and why?
2: Uh, Let's start at the quarterback position. Um, This was kind of oops. This was kind of a a question I was asked in the mailbag this week and, and talked a little bit about. But Ryan, I'm kind of curious of your feelings on on how close we are to a Jared Goff extension possibility and and. One, I guess. One, whether the Lions should do that. Two, what it would look like, and three, whether the Lions would still be able to to build a a good enough roster if he does demand. I don't know. Daniel Jones, forty five plus million dollars a year, of money.
4: Oh my goodness. Um. Yeah. So I I think the conversation, and I think the Lions are at this really interesting crux, right? Because they have that six overall pick, and when you look at the trajectory for this team, do you see them picking again? within the top five or, or, you know, as high as they are going into this draft, because unless you have a, you know, a freak accident happen where, you know, look at Cincinnati, right? Like they get Joe Burrow, right. And then they have Joe Burrow go down and they end up with Jamar Chase. And then all of a sudden they're off and running, right? Like unless the lions have a season next season that, you know, things just absolutely fall apart and, Oh, they're, you know, They're in the top spot to pick again, and I mean, we're having a completely different discussion, right? But the Lions are in a position right now to fortify the quarterback position in the future without spending a ton of money for, for Jared Goff, because if Jared Goff's cap hit is $45 million, we're talking about him being paid more than Josh Allen. We're talking about him getting paid pretty close to Patrick Mahomes' money and i understand that the quarterback market continuously gets reset but i think once we start having discussions like jeremy alluded to when when we're talking about daniel jones looking for 45 million dollars we we have to look back and we have to say okay what's going on here um and that's why i've really warmed up to the idea and and this is a whole different Uh, this is a whole different ball of wax and maybe we can talk about this a little bit later, but I'm very comfortable if the lions want to pick their quarterback of the future at six for that reason alone. So um, that that's, that's where I'm at with it. I I, I'd like to hear how you feel about it, Jeremy.
2: (laughs) No, it's a, it's an interesting point. And it's, I'm, I'm with you that if the lions think their guy is there at the quarterback, I really don't think they can afford to, to look it over, to, to pass on it this year. And and you just listed all the reasons why, right? They're not going to be in this good of a position, not only with a top six pick, but with two first round picks. Um, I, I don't know if there's a, a there's going to be that opportunity to do it. Now the Jared Goff has made it tough on them, right? Jared Goff has made it incredibly tough on me. He's 28. He's coming off a really good season. He looks like he can take command of this offense and um, you have him for two more years at a, a relatively cheap rate at, you know, 35 ish a year, um, which is cheap by today's standards. Can, can, um, can I
4: real real quick? I want to ask you the question. And maybe we're just and this is me being devil's advocate. Are we hand wringing too much when we're saying, hey, Jared Goff is an absolute steal at 35 million. But oh, my gosh, like I cannot imagine paying him 10 million dollars more a year.
2: I, I, yeah, no, I think that's fair to wonder if, if we're overreacting to that kind of raise. Um, and listen, I, I understand that you look around the recent history of the NFL and a lot of these teams that are on rookie quarterback deals are the ones that are, are winning right now. But to me, that's, it, it's a shortcut. The way I put it on the article is that's a shortcut to team building. But it's not, it's not a real solution because you're eventually going to have to pay those guys. So you're going to have to learn how to build a team with a massive quarterback contract. And some teams are capable of doing it. And the, re- the best way of doing it is just drafting well, filling your roster with a bunch of young, talented guys. And luckily, we have a GM who's done that through two years pretty darn well. And so, uh, it—I it, don't—I don't have an answer. I don't have a clear answer. To be, I'm, I'm, I'm waffling. I'm fence sitting, as I as I typically do, because I do feel like either way is going to work. If you know the the best possible outcome comes, the, the tricky part is. Can Jared Goff mean, I mean, what, what do you have more confidence? It really comes down to that. What do you have more confidence in Jared Goff, maintaining a high level of play for the next four to five years, or the Lions being capable of, of finding an elite quarterback who's going to play at a very high level right out of the bat, you know, so that so you can maximize that rookie contract, which one do you have more confidence in actually happening? Cause both are, both are tough, right? It's it's really hard to find that franchise quarterback. There's only what four or five of them in the league right now, and it's really tough to know whether Jared Goff can continue this level of play when he's been inconsistent.
6: Can can I throw something there real quick? Sure. So I I agree I agree with what y'all are saying about the financials, but like I I think like you know with Jared Goff knowing the system, it's all about consistency. You know, you, you extended Aaron Glenn because he's a young coach who's got a young defense, and they're only going to get better. Offensively, you've got a young OC that is better with young players. So with Jared Goff, he already knows the system. He's still in his prime, and I think, honestly, he's going to get better because he's getting more comfortable with the players around him. JMO is going to come around. But my thing is, like, let's say if you give him a $10 million pay bump, like all of the quarterbacks, like the Hurts, the Burrows, the – um, I, I, the Jacksons they're all going to get paid so at the end of the day even if he goes to 45 that contract's going to be a lot lower on the quarterback list because you're going to have quarterbacks demanding a lot more money they want to be the top echelon so it's going to in my opinion might become as a little bit of a, a steal at 45 you know like Daniel Jones at 45 I don't think that's right I think I think Goff has earned that that pay bump uh, Daniel Jones I, I don't know what what he's thinking I guess he just wants to get paid but you look at all the quarterbacks they're about to get extensions. And so I think they're going to demand a lot more money than Goff would, would demand. I don't know. what awesome. All
2: right, Eric, I'm going to have let you have the last thought before we go to this extended break in our first.
3: The bottom line for me is I think Brad Holmes is going to want to maintain some flexibility. And so if the opportunity is there to take a guy and he's absolutely in love with him, I could see him taking it at the same time. I can also see him trying to build a younger team that can, you know, handle any different style of quarterback. And you know, we, we've gotten into this mindset where we're thinking it's like Jared Goff or a rookie. When when you look around the league, it doesn't necessarily have to be like that anymore. Um, Aaron Rodgers is looking to be traded. Tom Brady went from the Patriots to the to Tampa Bay. Seattle traded Russell Wilson, like which uh, you know didn't work out as well. But my point is, is that there's a lot of different ways that you can approach adding a quarterback that goes beyond just drafting a rookie and then hoping that rookie works out. And I think if you draft a rookie this year, you kind of box yourself in to the to the fact that you're now on a time limit. You have Jared Goff for two more years. You've now got a rookie and you don't know if that rookie is going to be ready. You don't know if that rookie is going to pan out. And so it just it puts you in a situation where you're almost forcing your hand. If you if Brad Holmes goes into this draft, and if he can trade back, if he can get more draft capital into into 2023, which is something that I, I've advocated, or into 2024, which is something I've advocated for, it gives him more flexibility, and I think that's really one of his primary objectives is to make sure that he's flexible during the draft, make sure that he's flexible during the off season. And if a quarterback is, if he's not in love with the quarterback in this cycle, he's got enough. He can see how Jared Goff does. Maybe Jared Goff earns a $45 million a year contract. Maybe he doesn't. And, but if he has, if Brad Holmes has the flexibility to adjust to that, then you know he can he can he can make a, a smarter decision for the for the outlook of the franchise. So for me, we're at least one year away from making this decision, which is why I don't I I don't think that they necessarily are going to take a quarterback this year, but that's just kind of the, my opinion. I, I I just don't see it.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. And and if the question is whether the Lions will draft a quarterback or not, I think I'm with you. I don't think they will. I just they, they also need to be cautious of not kicking the can down the road too far and then you'll just get stuck with no options <laughs> because you know and Aaron Rodgers isn't always going to fall into your lap I know that's a bad example everyone hates Aaron Rodgers and no no one in the right mind in Detroit would want him right now I think but anyways
3: overall no but out. I do but I do think the way the league is trending is you're starting yep. to see veteran quarterbacks become available which wasn't the case three years ago for years true and,
4: and, then, right. and then you're a team like the jets who's you know hey Derek carr you are a future first ballot hall of famer
2: if you come here
3: quite possibly <laughs> but you could also be the jets if you take if you if you take a quarterback.
2: right I, I think i think the colts are the ultimate example of of just like a team that is trying to constantly half measure their way to a yeah, quarterback
3: quarterback purgatory yeah
2: oh. um and so you want to avoid doing that for sure and, and so at some point you're gonna to have to take a risk whether it's spending a lot on a free agent veteran guy or spending a high draft pick you're you're right eric i think the Lions have afforded i think jared goff has afforded them time to not have to force that decision this year but again if if the if the opportunity is there and you like it dude i think you got to jump at it but we have gone maybe this is only a two segment podcast now because we've gone over 30 minutes here in the first segment so we're going to take a quick break here when we come back more of your lions questions here on the spotify live app come join us every saturday morning 9 a.m eastern we'll see you then Closing out things here on our Spotify live where we're answering your questions live in our off season call in show. Let's jump right back to the lines. Uh, let's get Michael back in here.
8: Okay. I'm here. Michael. Now. I'm here. There we go. Uh, All right. We got you. How do you doing, man? Hey, good. Uh, this is Mike, the Marine. I, I grew up in Michigan. Then I did 20 years in Marine Corps. Then now I'm living in North Carolina to be by the grandkids. But, uh, my first question was already answered by signing Dean then going with, uh, someone in the slot like a branch. But now my next question is dealing with offensive line. I understand that we can uh, restructure Vitae, which I have no problem. My question is for the second round, I prefer someone that can be like our uh, third OT or inside offensive line guy. Who do you uh, recommend second round or even beyond?
2: Good question, Michael, and, and appreciate your service, of course, as well. Um, I think this is a really good question because I think, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of focus on that starting right guard position. But if you look down the depth chart, there's more questions and answers across the board. Um, and it starts with Evan Brown, whether the lines are going to re-sign him or not. If they don't, I don't think there's a guy I'm comfortable necessarily with filling it all. Maybe Tommy Kramer, but we don't know what his situation is with the back injury. And then at tackle... Uh, unless Obina Nze takes a huge step in his second year, which is always possible. I mean, they obviously see something in him and he's got a good physical traits. Um, they really need a lot of help and, and listen, when's the last time the line's had a fully season on the offensive line? Not anytime soon. So I'll throw it to you, Eric, who are some names that, uh, that you're looking forward to, uh, to the lines, maybe considering in, in round two and beyond.
3: If, if you want a second round plug and play right guard, Uh, Steve Avila is is the guy that I think is probably going to be there and would make a ton of sense. You see, he's comfortable in gap schemes. He's mobile. He's um, basically in a lot of ways, Jonah Jackson, but 30 pounds heavier. Uh, There's a lot to like about him. He's played all five positions in college. He has uh, over a thousand snaps at center, over a thousand snaps at guard. Uh, He's, he's mobile. He's strong. There's a lot to like about Avila. And, and, and for me, I would love to see him at the, with that first pick in the second round. I I would, I think that would be a, a big win. If you're talking about a guard tackle, flexible player, it gets a little tricky, right? Because like, uh, Skon, Skonrowski, the, the Northwestern guy, like he's, he's going to go in the first round. He's a guard, tackle, flexible guy. I know got, uh, a lot of people like Paris Johnson out of Ohio State because he has guard ex- and tackle experience. But again, he's going to be a first-round guy. So for second round, there's really only one guy that I think could be there in the second round that has that kind of flexibility where he could be your starting right guard and also be uh, an emergency third tackle if needed. And that's uh, Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse, Six five, three twenty four. Uh He has mostly tackle experience, but he has the flexibility and the movement to be guard, to be a guard. He's a guy I think will be, uh, he probably will be available because when you start looking at like the start stacking the tackle board, he might be like tackle five or six, which means he'll probably be there in the, in the second round. And he has that kind of flexibility that a lot of people are asking for, you know, as a guy who is an, Oh no, we have to move somebody outside because somebody got hurt type of thing. So uh, Bergeron would be that guy. In my opinion, though, I I'm kind of targeting Steve Avila And um, then there's a few other corner guard guys that I think make a lot of sense, but.
8: uh, What do you think about the uh, Cody Mock from uh, North Dakota state?
3: Yeah, I like him a ton too. He's probably like uh, my third uh, interior offensive lineman guy. I think he's more uh, of an interior guy. He has some tackle flexibility that he has over. 2000 snaps there or something like that maybe even like too close to 25 uh at north dakota state but he has it's weird because he's six five but he has arms like he's six two um they're they're about two inches shorter than what um is kind of the standard and so you know the lines are flexible with their arm length but he's still uh, like an inch and a half or an inch at least an inch below even their standards at tackle so Maybe he's an emergency tackle. Um, he's not someone you want to park out on the outside, in my opinion. But he could be a guy who steps in and starts at right guard. Um, so yeah, I think he could be uh, and he could be an option as well. I would prefer Bergeron over him a little bit.
2: Ryan, uh, if I can, I can throw a, a follow up to you. <clears throat> um, do you have a, a preference in terms of what the Lions target? Like, let's say, let's say they find a way to, to keep Vitae around, whether it's restructure, whether it's, you know, taking a pay cut, whatever. What to you is a more pressing need? A a third tackle in case Decker or, or Vitae will go, or, so we'll go down, or interior offensive line depth? Oh,
4: man, I, I have to go with interior offensive line depth just because I watched the Thanksgiving Day game, <laughs> and uh, that that was a house of horrors. Um, it, it was it was really tough to watch. And I, and I think anybody in the NFL, like yeah, like tackles are the premium position. I mean, you're going up against the you know the defense's best athletes on the outside on the edge. But man, you can really disrupt the game plan if you have a couple of guys along the interior that just can't can't hack it you know what i mean so i i do think it's interesting when michael brings up though this conversation about like just adding like a third offensive tackle right because this is a team that wants to do that oh
2: uh ryan lost connection there and just <laughs> left the room but
3: Go yeah, ahead. he but he's but Ryan's right. I think I know where he was going with this. That third offensive tackle is a necessity because they want to have that flexibility to add a fifth off or a sixth offensive lineman. And a lot of times when they want to add those right. sixth offensive linemen, uh they're using tackles in, in, in that aspect. Um it's always good business to have a, a starter capable player at, at a few different spots. Uh Need three outside corners that can come in and start. That's a that's a an everyday thing. You need three offensive tackles that can come in and that should be starter ready, right? So, you I do agree that ha- adding that offensive tackle is, is an important feature. I don't know if you need to add him on day two, right? Like you could get a guy. Um, a little bit later, that can be an upgrade over like Nelson. If you're just looking to add a pure like swing tap, which is something they might be interested in. Uh, but like, but like uh, Michael said, if you can find a guy who can do both, maybe that's an advantage. That's uh, that's worth um, an advantage of because you can get that in like a, a mouse You can get that in a in a Bergeron. Um,
8: what about the Maryland uh, or Tennessee tackle?
3: Well, so Darnell Wright uh, from Tennessee is one of my favorites and, and uh, offensive tackles in this class. He, he, I think he's going to round one though. Like most things, most players or most projections right now think he's going to go like in, in round two or maybe middle round two. I think when it's said and done, he's going to go in round one. Um, Do you think he could be a guy who could do that? Like he could be the car guard um, tackle, flexible guy. But I think the price tag on him is going to go way up. Um, I think he's one, probably the most underrated offensive lineman right now.
2: All right. Thanks for the question, Thank Michael. You. Thanks. Appreciate you. Um, let's move to our next caller. Oh, and Ryan's back. Let's bring him up board. Sorry about that, Ryan. Welcome back. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Someone, someone didn't like your point about an offensive
3: tackle, and they booed you from the room, I guess. No, nah, no, nah, we we got you. We, we covered you. We did cover you. Uh I love offensive line talk. Let's
2: uh let's keep going. Hey, as long as it's not running back or special teams, I'm in. Uh John, uh,
9: John S is joining the show now. John, welcome to the show, buddy. Welcome back, I should say. Okay. Yeah. John, are you I'm there. there you okay. are. Um I got to go get a few comments
10: and I'm not sure if I'm going to be disagreeing with Eric or whether he was uh Maybe just playing devil's advocate before, but my um, <laughs> my biggest concern in the draft, I guess, I look at the last few years and all the players. Uh, even look at, I love Winston, but at the same time, we took Winston last year and maybe lost out on Brisker and a couple defensive players. I really think the defense has got to be a major priority, especially in the first round, if not all the first three picks, almost, because it just doesn't seem even Bijan. It's you look at it and it's like. You look at last year's performance with the offense and how much better can the offense play? We're scoring 40 points a game and we're still losing half our games. And it's like, we need to stop somebody before we worry about, um, like, I think we can get a running back later. If we need to want a running back or if if our guys aren't going to perform, but I'm really so concerned that we need to beef up that defense so we can stop anybody. We can't get, we can't get balance between our two sides. We're just going to be sort of struggling again where we're, where we're scoring 40, 50 points and can't stop it. We did the same thing with Stafford. We, we kept bringing in tight ends. Um, it just, in second round running backs, it just seems like those picks on the offense, just aren't being productive for us and getting that balance in our team. So I guess, Eric, I'm challenging your Bijan picks, but what do you think on some of these things? I'll,
2: I'll throw it right to you, Eric. What, what do you kind of think about the the theory that, you know, this is already a top five offense. If you really want to improve this team, you mm-hmm. have to spend these big resources on the defensive side of the ball.
3: I think in general, what we're seeing nowadays is that teams that are making the playoffs and succeeding in the playoffs have a top 10 offense and a top 16 defense, right? So if you want to maintain that kind of top five offense that you've seen, you're going to have to add talent to it. Now I don't disagree with John in the fact that I do think adding uh, defense is a bigger priority, Uh, My comments earlier on Bijan were basically just, I wouldn't hate adding him because I think he's just that much of a a, a special talent. He's a, he's a top five player in this class that you could get at 18. That's the kind of value, you know, that I, I think it's hard to pass on, but I agree that you have to add talent on defense. There's so many different holes on defense where there's really just upgrades on offense, right? Like maybe you're upgrading right guard, maybe you're upgrading tight end, maybe you're upgrading running back, but, defense, you have clear holes that need to be filled. So um, I don't disagree with that, with, with what sh- what John is saying. Um, I'm just looking at Bijan as more from a... Uh, a...
10: Looking at value, I and mean, you look at value, look at Winston last year. I mean, I like Winston, same thing. I probably like Bijan. Uh, but I look at last year and I think of how how they performed last year. And I think if we didn't get used out of Winston last year, mind you, but um, if we would have been able to take... Like a uh, Brisker and another linebacker or something last year. How many more games would we have won last year? Maybe two or three more. Where there's another, like I say, just I look at that and I think our receivers played really well. Adding in that Winston pick, the, well, it didn't really help us at all last year. But I mean, a couple of defensive players last year could have been huge for us last year. We could have really done a had maybe been challenging for a playoff spot last year and really kind of jumped into the 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 fray with everybody else. So. That's, that's, yeah. And that's kind of where I'm kind of sitting on most yeah. of the graphics. Or if, if we leave it up in free agency, I'm okay, but I just don't like spending a ton of money um, thinking long-term about it. So anyway.
2: Right. Well, no, and I think, I think the – I guess my, my biggest counter to your point, and I think the, the Jameson Williams pick that, that you're referencing there, is that when you're drafting, you, you have to kind of have a, a more long-term view of, of team building. Right. And so, yeah, their immediate needs are mostly on defense. They, they really need to beef up their corners, their, their secondary, their defensive line, the linebacker position, really the, every position could use an upgrade. <clears throat> They're going to take care of some of that in free agency for sure. Um, but what are you going to have at wide receiver once? I don't know who, who's going to be the third wide receiver to, to join Jamison and on or long-term who's going to be the running back once DeAndre Swift is gone. Who's going to be a right guard of the future? Um, those are positions that that are really of need, and and best way to fill those is through the draft. And so I, I get the aversion because you want to fix things now, but the truth of the matter is you once you get past these first two picks, you're probably not going to get a guy that's going to be amazing in their first year. Now, Brad Holmes has done a good job, and but but even a guy like Malcolm Rodriguez, who um, by by all means blew out – um, what his draft value was like? He's way better than a normal sixth round pick, but he was still probably an average to below average linebacker in this league. And so, I don't know how much you're going to turn around the defense by drafting four defensive guys right away. You'll you'll improve it in the long term, and the Lions obviously still need to improve their defense in the long term. But they also need to maintain a good offense in the long term, and that's why I think spending some offense resources in the draft is is probably smart. Um, and And there's the fact that you know, if you go by some analytic things, year-to-year consistency is much easier on offense than it is on defense, and some of that is random, some of that is just the fatter that the matter the matter of fact that people spend more resources on offense because it's more important in today's NFL.
10: Okay, thanks. I still got kind of to disagree because I still think we're, we're still bottom of the defense. That's my biggest sure. concern. So I think I kind of semi agree with you and I don't mind the uh, Jameson Williams picks, but it's it's just that I look at it, I think the big playmakers in the first round whether it's Branch Witherspoon, Branch yeah. even Simpson or something, yeah. um they sure. can have just a huge impact on the defense, which I really think we have got to do something even with if we get it get bugs back and if we maybe drafted a defensive tackle in the second round or something, but we keep bugs. We keep Anzalone even. I'm not even upset with some of these guys rather than spend a ton of money on Wagner and Ramsey. They might really help for this year, which I wouldn't mind one or one of those, one of them, but it just seems like we got to get do something to get that defense up to par and not blowing the budget though on it because yeah. the money's going to be a big impact long yeah. term too. So anyway, thanks a lot. Thanks for the questions.
2: No problem, John. And I, th- I want to throw one more thing to, to Ryan um, because I think that some people look at the, the way that Lions played yet last year and they look at the way the defense played down the stretch. You know, they gave up twenty twenty point two 20.2 points, I think, after from week nine and beyond. And so I think some people are of the belief the defense was actually good enough last year, at least towards the end of the year, where they don't necessarily have to go on a spending spree on defense. Do you believe that's true or do you think maybe that's a result of playing some weaker teams in the second half of the season? Or 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 maybe just, I don't know, too small of a sample size to really believe that your defense has turned a corner? I mean, here's the thing. If that's too small of a sample
4: size, then why aren't we having more conversations about Jared Goff? Um, anyways, so I'll table that to talk about the defense because I think I think that there is something to that, Jeremy. Like the defense played good enough over the second half of the season for this Lions team to have the resurgence that they did. And it, it, in my opinion, I, I, I understand where John is coming from. I do. I I I view it as what Holmes does a really good job of is he he does a good job of getting these plug and play players while other players had the opportunity to to mature and to and to get to the point where they can be contributors and they can play, right? Like Amon Ross St. Brown wasn't some somebody that just, hey, he got here day one and he was the man right? Malcolm Rodriguez is kind of the exception, but then again, we're talking about a linebacker room that was already really, really bare, right? So I I think he does a good job of, Hey, I'll go out and I'll get DJ shark, or I'll go out and I'll get Josh Reynolds. And that'll, and that'll, that'll kind of offer the opportunity for Jameson Williams to come along on his own time and we don't have to rush him back. Okay. So I I think I, I understand why we we want to just, hey, just draft defense, 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 because that's the worst part of this team. I, I think that's taking all of last season and, and not looking at the not looking at the team the way that it evolved over the course of the season. I, I think the Lions still very much have to be in a position where they have to they have to be thinking about taking players that are going to be impact players. You can make the argument that those players are going to be on defense
10: for sure. But this is even when you're looking at I'm not just looking at last year though, I'm looking back even when we had Stafford. Um taking Yeah, yeah but we don't and, have Stafford in, anymore. Instead of instead of <laughs> Ebron, we could have took a uh, Donald, the defensive player and Hawkins sure. could have taken Josh Allen, the defensive end, and, and uh, Jacksonville. That's So that's where – and that's where I'm, I'm going back a ton of yeah. years. I well, guess I'm really old. Hey,
4: they, but, uh, they, yeah, well, hey, I'm old too, but they could have taken Willis at number two like an idiot, but they took Aiden Hutchinson, so good
10: <laughs> job. <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that, I was ha- that I was happy about. <laughs> okay, well, no, thanks, it,
2: no, no problem, John. And I think that that is a good point to make too, though, right? Like in order to be a Super Bowl-condending team, you do have to be well-rounded, and that's something that they obviously – very much failed to do under uh, when Matt, uh, Matthew Stafford was here, outside of maybe that 2014 season where um, I'm just going to blame Jim Caldwell's uh, passiveness in that Cowboys game for not winning a Super Bowl. How dare you? He was inexplicably let go from this team, Jeremy. <laughs> Look, I can't believe we're still having Jim Caldwell debates every now and then, but hey, congratulations on getting back into the NFL. I do like Jim Caldwell. I'm not trying to say I don't like him. Anyways, uh, let's move to our next caller here. Uh, we have Jacob on the line. Uh,
7: there we go. Jacob. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm glad that we're uh, back in this space. This is exciting. Um, after Jeremy was triggered earlier by the momentum and running back talk, I'll, I'll bring up something that I think he will be more excited about, and that's some trade back talk. Um, Yes. There we go. Um, I think I'm most curious. You know, I, I would guess that most of us would agree. You know, Jalen Carter's there. Will Anderson's there. You kind of run to the podium. I'm curious if you think Devin Witherspoon at that point, you know, at six is like such a culture fit that um, you know potentially it, it's worth just going with Witherspoon over. You know, maybe a fair trade back to a quarterback needy team like the Panthers where you're. Just dropping back a few slots if um, if there are uh, quarterbacks available, you know. I know Ryan brought up the scenario earlier where maybe they're they're all taken out of blinds, but if there's a quarterback there, you're sliding back, and getting fair compensation. Do you think Branch Gonzalez Porter, you know, there's enough there at defensive back that that a trade back is worth it, or do you all just love a Witherspoon that?
2: This is a really good question. This is a great question because it's. It's not, to me, it's not an easy one because I do like Devon Witherspoon a lot. But if they can trade down, like I said, Atlanta at eight, Carolina at nine, just a few spots, you're, you're still going to have one of those top tier corners. So, yeah, I think the basis of the question is, is what he just said there at the end. Is Devon Witherspoon that, has he separated himself that much from the other corners in this draft for you to say, no, I don't want to trade down, just give me the best guy?
4: I, I wanna give this to Eric because he's the guy who should be talking about this, but for from my perspective and, and I know Eric has had this conversation with me, it's the I think the Combine's a, a big benchmark for Witherspoon. Just it, it, i I think if he if he can check boxes at the Combine, I I, I think I think I'm on board with Witherspoon at six. So I, I wanna pass it over to Eric now.
3: Yeah, you might not find a bigger Witherspoon fan, um, at POD than me, or maybe even in the Detroit community. I, I I think he has, you know, everything that it takes. The physicality, um, the fearlessness, the ability to play press, short memory. He can he can play in zone, he can play in man, like there's so many different things that he can do and, and the mentality of just wanting to be physical, wanting to be aggressive, I think fits in perfectly. Um I would not uh hate taking him at six at all. I, I would be completely on board with that. At the same time, I, I do think that a a a uh trade back would be intriguing to me as long as it's not too far, right? If you're talking about um trading back to pick nine uh, and you can pick up something, maybe even a pick next year, uh, like you get a second rounder next year or something like that, or third or whatever it is. Right. Um, I would be intrigued by that because I do think Holmes needs to find, if he can try and find a way to stay flexible and add another draft pick next year, a high pick next year, if possible. And you can probably, you might still be able to get Witherspoon at nine. Um, probably want to stay Philly affiliate 10, but I, I think it's it might be worth the gamble to try and uh, get that capital for the future because it, it is a, a pretty good corner class. But make no mistake, if Witherspoon's there at six and they took him, I would be completely fine with that as well because I think his talent is um, exactly what they need at the position.
2: Yeah, and I, th- I think I fall right into the camp that you do, which is either way, I'm probably going to be pretty happy. My, my kind of question is, is this a move that Brad Holmes is willing to do? Because I think I agree with you. Like Witherspoon seems like a guy that, that Brad Holmes is going to fall in love with. And is he going to be able to show the patience and or, I don't know, discipline to be like, listen, it's not always about just getting my guy. Sometimes my evaluation might be wrong. So, sometimes it's about getting my second guy or my third guy, and that's okay. Now. Getting his guys worked out pretty well across the board, maybe outside of Levi and and it's it's almost hard to blame him for a tough situation that happens with injury. But I I'd, I'd like to see him maybe show a little bit more. We haven't seen him trade down early in the draft yet, and so yeah, I I think I think the risk reward here is is probably worth it if you can find a deal to move down a couple spots and like you said, still have a chance at Witherspoon, and if not. Then you you got, you know, CB2 on your board, CB3 on your board, whatever it is. Um, The the trick, though, is one, not falling in love with one prospect, which I think some GMs get into trouble with. Two, do you want to take the second best off the board, biggest position of need at a high value position like cornerback when you might have a chance at CB1? And those are are tough questions to answer.
3: Yeah, and, and I think if history shows us anything... Brad Holmes is probably just going to stay there and pick his guy. Right. Like that's, that's what I'm thinking too. Which
2: might, I mean, listen, if you, if you pick your guy and you're constantly right, there's no reason to complain. Um, But, but I also understand that people are like, you need to maximize the value out of that position.
4: Yeah. All all good points. The lions have five picks in the top. What? 81. Something like that. They're not, they're not walking out with five players from those spots. You are
2: sticking your guns to that take. I love it. It's just not happening. (laughs) Brad Holmes is getting his guys. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Appreciate the question, Jacob. Welcome welcome back to the Spotify Lives, man. Thanks, y'all. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, We'll close things out here uh, with our our final call here. We'll stick around for some overtime for those of you still in the queue. But on the podcast side, this will be our last caller. Uh, Damon is with us. Damon, thank you for waiting so long. Appreciate you. Can you hear me? hope you're unmuted now.
9: Can yeah, there we go. All how's it right. going, man? Hey, how's it going, guys? Listen, uh, I have to agree with Ryan. I don't think he's going to keep um, uh, all five of those picks because I was thinking last night about that Jalen Jay, uh, Ramsey opportunity, and I was wondering about uh, Jefe, Jeff Akuta's contract next year. And if the Lions don't pick up his fifth-year option, uh, it's, I'll be present. I don't know if he's back with um, with uh, the Rams right now, but it would be ideal to trade uh, Jeff Akuta and maybe a second-round pick. And see if that'll work or maybe in the second and third or fourth next year to see if we can get Jalen here. And if we can, with everybody else speaking about how Brad Holmes feels uh, about Witherspoon, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. So could you imagine Witherspoon and then maybe at 18 if Branch is still there, Witherspoon, Branch and Ramsey along with Kirby. And when Walker comes back, that 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 back seven. Oh, my gosh.
2: That you know what that's interesting. Um, I we, we talked a little bit about the Ramsey trade, but I haven't heard the idea of packaging Jeff Okuda in there. And, and you're right, Aubrey Pleasant is back with the Rams. So if Aubrey likes Jeff Okuda, um, and and who knows if he does or doesn't, um, that could be a an ear in um, Les Snead's ear, uh, a, a a voice in Les Snead's ear to uh, to maybe sweeten that pot. Um, I'm not man that's a tough one that's that's interesting I wonder do you guys think like do, is is Jeff enough of a trade piece to to even sweeten the pot at this point or are there too many questions
3: around him I think he is I think he 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 is he's a trade piece because there's enough talent there that people are going to look at him and say I think if we tweak this if we tweak this that we can make him into what everyone thought he was going to be when he was coming out of Ohio State. So yeah, I do think outside Akuda might be their most valuable trade piece that they have.
9: And so just think guys, think about that, that 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 secondary, that secondary would be unreal. And you still got Jerry coming off the bench? Like that would be unreal. Um and if you know if some guys can free free up um, maybe um, golf or another player would maybe want to you know adjust their their salary to be able to get um, Ramsey here, uh, that'd be great. And and sorry, Jeremy, I have to say it. I am a big time B. John Robinson fan. I agree with Eric. I think if he's there at eighteen, you pull the trigger, you pull it hey. fast.
2: I'm not. I, if he if he's wearing a Lions uniform, I'm not going to root against him. That's all I'll say but uh, I think it's time to close things out. Uh, I think we, we pulled it off guys and it's a, a super sized episode for those of you listening on the podcast. Um, thank you. <laughs> right. Thank you to, uh, to all of our, our callers uh, again, if you want to see us next week, uh, download the Spotify live app. It's free available on uh, all mobile devices. I believe at this point point. Um, and uh, make sure you're following at pride of Detroit and then join us 9am Eastern uh, on saturdays and we'll answer more of your Lions questions when we come back but for eric for ryan thank you all for listening it's chaos be kind